Welcome to Agent to Agent Remarks. Really just wanted to start a conversation. The podcast dedicated to real estate ethics and best practices. Here to talk to you about the market. Hosted by broker Jeffrey LaBelle of The Brokerage, a real estate firm. We have some great interviews on this podcast. Hear expert guests related to the real estate industry discuss actionable advice, tips, and tricks. Now, here's Jeffrey LaBelle. Well, hello, everybody. Jeff Lavelle here, broker of the brokerage, a real estate firm. We're closing out 2022. That's right. If you can believe it, the year is behind us. And uh, for some things, that's great. For other things, it's a little daunting, a little unnerving to see where we're going. A lot of things going on in the, we'll say the real estate world, globally, nationally, locally, uh, lots and lots of stuff going on. And so... Yeah, welcome to my little little podcast here. Emphasis on the little. Uh, you can fix that by liking and subscribing and, of course, uh, subjecting your friends and family to my my show. I would appreciate you for it. Uh, so welcome. Uh, let's get into what happened in 2022 so far. I still have a day left, so maybe something uh, amazing is going to happen. But we've been faced with record recent record record inventory here in Las Vegas. We have seen a 300% increase in the number of available properties for sale. And we have seen a significant decline in the number of properties available. uh, uh, I'm sorry, in in contract available in contract. We've seen a significant decline there. And so these two things, you know, when you when you see a drop in inventory selling and an increase in available inventory on the marketplace, obviously those two things tend to in, in normal market circumstances uh, create a, a drop in home prices, which is what we've seen. We've seen home prices decline uh, pretty much 10 grand a month for the past four or five months. Um, we are at a median home price in November um, of 430. 430, our median list price in November of 2022 was 460. Um, and, and we're up 463% in November uh, for the number of homes available, 7,342 7, homes. Um, which is a really significant number um, relative to the year prior, you know, up 400%, four and a half, four point four point five times more homes available than we had last year. So that's pretty hard to surmount. And that coupled with interest rates uh, that buyers are just not accustomed to uh, has created a, a situation where we're not seeing homes selling as fast. Um, you know, a year ago, we were selling most of our homes, 76% of our homes in the first 30 days. And that number's dropped to 47%. So significant decline in the number of uh, properties selling, how fast they're selling. Um, and uh, so it's it's definitely a, um, a, a buyer's market. I, I can't think, I, I don't think that there's a way for us to deny that. Um, surely a buyer's market, surely... We are in a, uh, a very real uh, shift here, and uh, we have seen home prices decline pretty significantly. Um, 53% down in the number of units sold from 2021, uh, November of 2021, um, and, uh, and that's, a, that's a big deal. I mean, we're, we're seeing uh, the number of sales cut in half, the available inventory four and a half times higher than before. So... That uh, is not helped by the interest rate, which is the whole point. So, so clearly, the Fed, uh, Jerome Powell, what he is doing at the Fed level is working in terms of cooling the real estate market. The question is, you know, are we going to uh, land this plane 
with some jostles or are we going to land this plane and take the wheels off the bottom? Um, I, you know what I didn't say? Are we going to crash the plane? Because we're not going to crash the plane. Uh, the question just has to do with how hard we're going to land this, uh, this market. It's not going to crash, in my opinion, from what we are seeing today. Um, there's nothing that is indicative of what we saw in 2007. If you were around back then, uh, 2007 was the perfect storm of bad lending practices, what we call the liar loans, the ninja loans, the no income, no job assets loans, um, you know, really lax uh, Fed policy. Uh, we were securitizing uh, mortgages and these mortgage-backed securities were effectively the downfall of the marketplace because they were not AAA rated paper as they were they were claimed to be. They were junk, absolute junk. And we built a market on junk. So um, all that stuff disappeared and we got some pretty crazy regulations. And, and some of those things are good. And some of those things are probably a bit extreme, but the reality is they have stopped us from going into another cataclysm. Uh, and, and I don't think that we are going to see or do we have the... the um, ingredients. We'll go with ingredients. We don't have the ingredients to create what we had then. So those are those are good things, right? We, we don't have what it takes to fail in that sense. Um, you know, the, the, the question always is, you know, do I buy a home with interest rates at six and a half, seven percent? Do I wait till the market uh, interest rates decline? I, I personally feel that we are probably going to see these figures continue through 2023, at least to the, the later part of it, 2023. You know, typically we have a cycle, we, we had a cycle in Nevada for my first, I don't know, 14 years in business of a lot of properties coming off the market in November, December, as the Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa holidays come upon us. And then a big surge in new inventory or, you know, relisting properties in January. We haven't really seen that. Even leading up to COVID, we weren't seeing that sort of uh, of trend, that, that historical trend that we've seen in the past. And so I don't know that that's going to continue. It seems to be happening um, right now. I, I think that it, it's we've seen inventory decline, available inventory decline in the month of December, which is good. I mean, we didn't need to have a 400% increase in the number of properties available in the market. That was that was not good. We 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 don't need to see uh, inventory go uh, that bad that fast. Um, right now, we have I don't even know more than 5,000 homes on the market. Um, I'm trying to pull numbers in real time here, but it's not working. But we've got more than 5,000 homes on the market. And so um, for for our purposes, I, I think it's important to keep in mind that it, it really comes down as a realtor. It really comes down to what your client conveys to you as their current need. Um, you know, are they needing to transact in this market? And if they are willing to transact or needing to transact in this market, how do you do the best thing for them? I think that there is a tendency as realtors uh, a, a wrong tendency, in my opinion, to think that we are required to save our clients from things like buying at the quote unquote wrong time. Um, we're not we're not our clients' moms and dads, and it's not their parents' responsibility to do that. We aren't their keepers, is a better way of saying it. We don't control what they do and don't do. They come to us, they express the need for 
a buy, a sell, a rental, whatever it is. And it's our job to help them navigate that market with the tools that we have at that time. So, you know, I, I don't take blame when it comes to my clients transacting um, because I know that I'm doing my best for them based on their needs at that time. If I have a client that comes to me and says, you know, Jeff, I, I really don't want to buy right now if you don't think that X, Y, and Z are going to happen. I give them my best information. I provide them with news articles. I provide them with uh, op-eds, whatever it is that I think will help them get to that point. And, you know, rarely is it that involved, but I'm going to give them the sources of information that I rely on so that they can make an informed decision and then come to me and say, you know what, I like what you gave me. I'm going to move forward now um, with my purchase. Or, you know what, I think what you you gave me tells me I really do need to kind of wait for a, a, a couple of months and maybe revisit this. You know, um, it, it's nice that in a real estate market like we, like ours right now, I think there's a lot more flexibility with the parties. They're not as rigid as they were in 2020 and 2021. And what I mean rigid, I mean sellers were getting what they wanted, period, paragraph, full stop. They didn't have to be uh, conciliatory in any way, shape, or form. If they conceded anything to a buyer, it typically was out of the goodness of their hearts. And so since that has has softened and we have seen a much more, um, I would even say maybe a neutral market, if your property is priced really well and it's a very nice home, you're going to sell. And you're going to probably sell to a pretty qualified buyer if they're qualifying in the sixes for an, for a mortgage. Anybody with a pulse could qualify for 2.5% back. I mean, these are car notes were, were, are 25 3 4%. I mean, we were looking at crazy, crazy interest rates. But 85% of Americans refinanced in that two and a half, three percent marketplace. So that's another reason we're not seeing uh, a really motivated market because a lot of sellers are saying, look, if I don't get what I want for my home, why in the heck would I sell it? I am at a crazy interest rate. My wife and I are at a crazy interest rate. I told her there is nothing, nothing right now that could compel me to sell our home unless it was the absolute perfect end-all, be-all, priced well, everything we wanted and then some like there's nothing that's going to motivate me right now to make that sort of a move at seven percent six and a half percent interest rates so um our specific situation is we're going to wait until there's something really really good uh for us to make that sort of a change and i think that's where a lot of people are right now but going back to what i was saying about the flexibility in the marketplace if a buyer comes to a seller and says, hey, we need some flexible terms on moving in or close of escrow or, you know, there's a lot more dialogue going on right now, a lot more back and forth, a lot more, um, uh, I, I don't want to say fairness because there's no such thing as fair, but uh, it seems more even in this marketplace than it did um, eight months ago. And, and, and I'll tell you, the crazy thing, the really crazy thing for me was the market shift was palpable. I've been doing this uh, as of this podcast for episode. I've been doing this for um, 18 and a half years. And I've, I've been through changes. I started in 04. Um, you know, we were giving homes away in, in 07 when the market crashed. 08, 09 really was when we started giving them away. But I mean, I had clients buying homes for... $80,000. That's the price of a 
uh, a nice used car today, or yeah, a nice used car today runs 80 grand. So we were selling homes, homes for 80,000, 100,000, 120,000. I mean, you were really buying like a McMansion for 300,000 back then. I mean, if you were buying a $300,000 house in 08, 09, you were buying a hell of a home. And now those homes have, have more than tripled in price. So I've seen that market. I saw the short sale market. I did 142-something short sales in the um, the heat of the short sale market and helped all those homeowners uh, get uh, debt forgiveness under the uh, Mortgage Debt Relief Act uh, during the Bush administration. And then we saw, um, effectively, since then, the market has been up, 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 every year up. Um, and, and there's a statistic. It's a crazy statistic. It's like... I don't know, um, 60% of realtors in today's market have never had to do a price reduction. I mean, that's that's insane. Um, uh, <laughs> you sit there and you say, wow, that many realtors were able to come into the real estate market, never really have to, ne- I mean, to, to really say it, never have to negotiate anything. Um, I mean, there's always something in negotiation, but I'm, I'm talking about like really going out there and showing, you know, God, I was showing 20 homes to a buyer because there was so much on the market, 16, 17,000 homes available. It was like, okay, narrow, narrow this list of a hundred down to your top 10 and let's go look at those. I mean, there was just so much plentiful, uh, opportunity on the market back then. You just had to pick from the creme de la creme. Now we are in a much more normal market, and the problem is a lot of realtors haven't been in a normal market before. Um, they haven't seen time on market at 60 days, 70 days. They are used to two days, two hours <laughs> in 2020. Um, but yeah, I mean, normal time on market, 60 days, 75 days. This is this is average. This is normal. This is this is sustainable and predictable. We didn't, I didn't like, and most of my colleagues that have been in business a long time didn't like the frenetic nature of the last two years. Um, and the market in, in May of this year, April, May, really just kind of, you felt it decelerate. It, you know, it's like when you're, you're on an amusement park ride and the roller coaster comes in to the, to the station after whipping you around for, for 45 seconds and you just decelerate so quickly, your limbs, you know, kind of fling forward and your head flings forward, um, that that is what it felt like and then we kind of coasted into the station and that's what it feels like right now it feels like we're just kind of coasting forward uh waiting for um you know the the next go round because markets are cyclical we're going to see this i don't think something to this extreme again because obviously we had some factors outside of the normal um course of history and <laughs> I'm, I'm i have the worst adhd so i i, I jump around a lot but I, I saw a very funny meme that was, um, you know, some celebrity smiling very nervously, like, ah! and it said, uh, millennials, as they deal with another once in a lifetime, uh, you know, financial cataclysm. And it's true because we've been through so many, I, yes, I am a millennial. We've been through so many, um, oh, this has never happened before. This is once in a lifetime. This is you know, we have seen these things and been, you know, front row seat to so many of these things. Um, and they keep saying, oh, well, this is, this has never happened. This is new. This is novel. Um, and, and it's like, well, yeah, great. We would like to go back to what our parents had or their parents had, which was more predictable. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely 
been uh, hard to tell a client and, and give some sort of semblance of, of, of like, here's where this is going to happen. I was admittedly listing properties in 2020, 2021. And I was saying, well, your neighbor just sold for, you know, 425. Let's try for 450 and then see how high it goes from there. You know, and, and eight, 18 days after 425 sold, we would get 462. You know, no contingencies. And I think one of the scary things that I saw during that market was what I would what I would consider a lack of um, a lack of any real protection for buyers. Now, it's okay to negotiate, right? Clearly, it's money. When you go into a situation, your client says, "Jeff, I'm willing to pay." Um, real money, hard cash, this much money over asking price. I understand there might be an appraisal problem. I understand I might be overpaying for the property. Um, and we say overpaying in air quotes because at the, at, the, at the end of the day, what a buyer is willing to pay and what a seller is willing to accept is market value. Whether an appraiser agrees with market value or not is not um, for us to say. That is the appraiser's third-party opinion. Our buyer's opinion on our seller's acceptance is what matters in terms of true market value. So if they agree to transact at 420 at 462 and pay $10,000 over the appraised value that is the buyer's prerogative and that's the seller's choice to accept so you know i won't say that that is in any way shape or form um, in my opinion as long as the buyer's all these caveats as long as the buyer was informed as long as the buyer was given comps as long as the buyer was educated on what the agent representing them the buyer's broker thought the home would sell for as long as there was a dialogue there and disclosure um in in my opinion in writing of what the values were um that's that's a super important part of that informed um, uh, consent if you will but if the parties agree at that point to move forward then that's what we, they do now where i saw some things come off the rail this last year or the year you know uh, 2021 2020 was a full relinquishment of buyer's rights. I didn't see that in 2022, which was really good. And when I say a full relinquishment, I mean no no inspections, um, no due diligence period. Basically, into contract, earnest money goes hard, buyer is fully exposed in terms of their their uh, exposure to losing their earnest money significant amounts of earnest money that could be lost because of uh, you know unforeseen circumstance agents sort of just throwing caution to the wind in order to make their offer quote unquote more attractive but i think in a, in a similar fashion that what i felt when i see offers like that is do i want to do i want my seller to Get into a situation where at some point someone could come back and say, "Well, your your seller took advantage. Um, they allowed a buyer to um, remove all reasonable protections, all reasonable due diligence." And you know, he, my parents are both attorneys, so I say this with love. Attorneys will find anything they can uh, to to wedge in there and claim the other party is liable, right? They're going to look for, and agents, real estate agents, we're not attorneys. And so we don't always see that risk out there. So, so you know, yeah, let's, no inspection, no appraisal, um, no this, no that. We, I even saw agents trying to waive the HOA resale package, which is a statutory violation. It's against Nevada law. 
So all these things that people were trying to do to make their offers better, when in reality all you have to say is, hey, we understand the seller doesn't want to do repair. They don't want to do any repairs. They don't want to fix the broken water heater. They're going to disclose to us the knowledge that they have of broken problem, broken issues in the property or, or, or issues that could be concerning to the buyer. We agree not to ask for repairs, but we still want to do our due diligence, right? And that's that's what I would do, and that's what I did in that market. We would say, and I, and I would even do that today, um, hey, we're going to do our inspection for my buyer's knowledge. My buyer reserves the right to cancel based on the results of that inspection, but we will agree that if the buyer finds problems with the home, they either cancel or they buy it as is. Now, in my opinion, that's that's fine. You've given your your buyer a chance to evaluate the property, to be diligent, to uh, make sure that they're not exposing themselves to uh, unnecessary costs or un, uh, insurmountable costs, and then they either buy it as is or they cancel. Right. So so that's where I find it different. And I did that in the in the 2021, 2020 markets. I, I said, hey, we're going to do an inspection just for the purposes of understanding the property condition. Um, and that was fine. And in some cases we canceled. And in other cases, my clients didn't have anything terribly concerning and we closed the deal. And and I will even say in a few instances, even though we said we were not going to ask for repairs, we got into a situation where the repairs were the seller didn't, un so there was one transaction, the seller didn't know there was a problem. Um, and I won't go into specifics because I don't, I don't want to, but <laughs> the, uh, the, the seller didn't know there was a problem with a certain system or so they said, it appeared that they might've known about it. It appeared that they, it appeared they might've known about it, probably didn't know about it. And we're trying to kind of cover it up. Our home inspector found it cause he's great. Said, Hey, this is a problem. I took it to the other agent in a, I would say, passive aggressive way. I didn't want to come out and outright accuse anybody, but I said, you know, it would be really detrimental to the seller if, you know, after the close of escrow, it was determined that this was, you know, known to the seller and the seller, you know, willingly and knowingly kept this information from the buyer. And, but for the grace of our great home inspector, we found it out. So, you know, maybe we could just agree that this is going to get repaired. And over the course of a few days, we got that agreed to. So, it doesn't mean just because you, I mean, I don't want to sound disingenuous. Oh, I said I would waive it and now I'm not going to waive it. In this case, there was a circumstance that I think made it okay to go back to the to the seller and say, hey, you know, we said as is, but, you know, joke's on you because you didn't act appropriately. But the point I'm making is we still provide that protection. You know, we have an obligation to do our best, exercise reasonable skill and care to protect our clients to the extent that we're able to. And when we're not able to protect them in air quotes, we need to make sure that they're aware of all that. So the, the market that we're going into, I'm really excited about because it does offer that opportunity for really good negotiators to negotiate. Um, it offers an opportunity for buyers to, you know, come back and say, hey, this is this is our situation and we'd like to make something work between the two parties. And, you know, both people walk away happy. Those are great transactions. The seller gets a reasonable price for the home. The buyer gets a reasonable price for the property. They're both happy. There's some repairs maybe. There's some concessions, some credits. All those things are really, really positive. So I'm excited for this market moving forward. I would like interest rates to go down, but that's going to be a natural process as inflation comes down, consumer pricing index comes uh, down. We see the job market recover. We see uh, wages covering the cost of uh, 
uh, of goods a bit better. I was in the grocery store yesterday and this woman was shopping with her kid and she said, there is no way I'm giving this store $9 for a dozen eggs. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really, really hard pill to swallow or egg to swallow uh, <laughs> uh, for people when they are seeing their costs increase so substantially for staples. Um, and I don't mean the kind that go in your stapler. I mean the staples that we rely on, the bread, the milk, the eggs, the cereal, the, you know, the butter, the, all, all the things that, that we need. The, the gas prices have seemed to subside, but now we're, we're taking it in the shorts in other aspects of the economy. And so these are things that um, are affecting buyers um, in our marketplace. They're affecting people's decision-making. Um, people are having to redraw their budgets on, on a fairly regular basis because those costs of goods are not staying stable. And so they're having to re, uh, regroup and reorient and, of course, um, uh, decide where they're going to uh, make changes and adjustments. So uh, I'm, I'm really encouraged by the, the reduction in sales price. I know that does sound contrary because, oh, you know, realtors just want to make, you know, the most money possible. And yeah, we do. We want to make the most money possible for our clients. Um, you know, we're business people. So yes, we would like to, to be paid as well. Uh, most people that are good at their jobs do enjoy being paid for them. Um, but I think there's going to be some big uh, changes, as I say that, going into 2023, 2024. I've mentioned before um, that there are some big uh, national lawsuits going on. Um, I, I'm not so so. I'm saying this as a real estate person, real estate agent. I'm I'm. My comments are not in an official capacity as a member of the Las Vegas Board of Realtors, um, as a. Um, in any official capacity, I'm not speaking on behalf of Las Vegas Realtors. I am speaking solely as Jeff Lavelle, broker of the brokerage real estate firm, as a supervising broker of 40 some odd agents, 42 agents, and uh, as somebody who invests in real estate and works in the real estate industry. So I just want to clear that up right off the bat. Having said that, um, and again, these comments are as my in my capacity as a, as a real estate broker, we are going to see some changes to how real estate transactions are handled. Um, there's a great podcast, uh, Rob Hahn, the notorious ROB, and uh, his good friend Greg Robertson have a great podcast uh, called Industry Relations. If you don't listen to it, you should listen to it, um, especially if you're a real estate agent. They are really admittedly MLS-driven guys. They, they work uh, a lot with the multiple listing service, and so they really have a great perspective on those um, on that industry, because real estate is is a little a little bit bifurcated, you have the um, you you really have MLS on its own, the technology aspect and the service aspect that it provides to agents and the public, and then you have the other aspects of realtor membership, which is um, the forms and the ethics, and you know those things are, are really truly separated in our in our industry. So you should listen to Rob and um, and Greg. They are. Also very funny, as I am, as you can tell. Um, I'm sure you've been just yucking it up the whole time I've been talking here. Giggle, giggle. Um, but they know they're really good. They get along together. They do drop considerably more F-bombs than I, <laughs> than I do. I try to keep this um, PG because I know a lot of you are listening with your kids right now, probably letting them drift off to sleep to my, uh, to my voice. But um, 
they are talking in their podcast right right now. They did their year in recap, and of course, before this, they were talking quite a bit about um, the Department of Justice lawsuit, the copyright lawsuit, uh, Rex versus Zillow and NAR, the um, Sitzer lawsuit, and Merrill. And so Merrill and Sitzer are the two biggest lawsuits that are looking at um, effectively what those cases are covering is that real estate agents commission uh the the they call it a scheme the real estate commission arrangement if you will the sharing of commissions has uh necessarily increased the cost of transacting in real estate and and so there's a lot of back and forth on that it's a really really interesting um uh argument counter argument i i i obviously uh, i don't want to go into a lot of detail on my opinion on it but the argument counter argument of all of it is is really interesting to go into and to read about and Rob and Greg give some really great perspective on not only what they think is going to happen. And it's funny because I don't think they purposely take opposite sides on things because I don't think they're that predictable, but um, they do have opposite opinions on these cases. And so it's interesting to hear why their opinions differ. And 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 the, the, they're really, I'm not here to, this is not the uh, agent to agent remarks promoting industry relations, but in this specific subsect, I want to kind of encourage you to listen to their take on it because I, I'm not allowed to comment on a lot of it. So I want to I want to give you the tools to educate yourself because that's what this podcast is about. Um, and I want to give you some options to go out there and seek that information yourself. Having said that, let's switch gears again. Accredited buyer representation, the ABR uh, accreditation. If you are a realtor and you have seen I think some agents go a little overboard. <laughs> it's okay um, to um, to get the education. I think it's a really good idea to go out and really build and grow and expand your knowledge base, right? I think that you never should be satisfied with being your best. I think you should always encourage yourself to grow, to educate yourself, to, to expand your knowledge base. Stay in your lane, right? But when you do decide to go out your lane, make sure you're really, really well-versed in that next lane before you uh, turn your blinker on. So uh, ABR, the Accredited Buyer's Representative, I think it's really important, and this goes, this kind of piggybacks on to what I was talking about before, really important for realtors um, that don't carry an ABR accreditation to earn that designation. And I think it's important to earn it now. Um, and, and, and you'll you'll understand it more once you listen to um, Rob and uh, and Greg's podcast. But I think it's important to really get that ABR designation, accreditation, keep it current, understand what it's there to help you do. Um, it, it's really there to help elevate your skills, to help you kind of stay ahead of industry trends. I, I will say a lot of brokers are not up to date on what's happening. And I, and I don't mean that to disparage anybody. I just mean that there are so many things going on as a managing broker, file review, agents that, that I, with the, with what I call the got a minutes. Hey, Jeff, got a minute? Absolutely. The got a minutes, the phone calls, my own client base, my own needs, my family, all those things really eat into one's ability to stay 100% aware of what's going on. And so it's it's not always possible to be 
100% aware or, or engaged in what is going on and how things are going in the market itself. So, um, and I don't just mean in the market, but I mean in, um, in the greater, in the national sense, right? So, so what I, what I encourage you all to do is to, to really podcasts like this, like mine are, are great to help you understand where things are at, but podcasts like industry relations are another really great tool for you. It's not always about, um, Hey, I'm on this podcast and here's how you get your social media and I'm on this podcast and here's how you do this. And you know, as a real estate agent, you have so many facets to what's important. Lead generation is extremely important. Social media presence is important. Uh, compliance is important. Ethics is important. Um, you know, staying ahead of market trends is important. And so it's important that you mix these things in, in, in even, I think fairly even, uh, segments of time so that you can, you can really stay ahead of where things are going. So, so not to get into too much, but I think you should all look at earning your ABR. If you don't already have it, if you do have it, probably a good time, time to brush up on it. Um, revisit what it is to be ABR accredited to, to really understand in your state buyer representation. Uh, in Nevada, we allow for agency with buyers. We have Nevada buyer agency and Nevada uh, seller agency. Buyer agency is important because it dictates and outlines the uh, cost of your services, right? We should be having these discussions when we need our buyers. What is your source of compensation? Where are you earning compensation? Not only is it Nevada law that you explain your source of compensation, but it's a code of ethics. You're not allowed to say things like free, right? My, oh, don't worry, my services are free. Your services are very likely not free. Your buyer may not be paying you out of their pocket because of the cooperative compensation agreement through the MLS, but you have to identify the source of compensation. So it's, it's important for... Um, for all of us to really understand our not only our state laws, but our agency, our company rules. Different brokers have different rules about uh, transacting with or without a buyer's brokerage agreement. And one of the other big things about a buyer's brokerage agreement, uh, not to let the cat out of the bag or anything, but it does have a damages cap. And so not that anybody is ever going to do anything wrong, but on occasion we do screw up. Um, I last I checked was human. And so, you know, I am, I am subject to failure and, and fallibility. So um, I think it's important to acknowledge those things and to do our best um, when it comes to, um, you know, being proactive and, and getting ahead of things to make sure that we're always working in, in our client's best interest, but also being careful about risk reduction. Um, that also brings me to another topic I want to discuss, which is risk reduction. Um, so National Realtors has RRG, which is the Risk Reduction Graduate. Um, you uh, can become a Risk Reduction Graduate, but there are in many boards and associations Risk Reduction Committees. And those committees, like here in Las Vegas, we're meeting on January 5th uh, of the coming year at the board, I believe at 1 p.m., um, and I'll be doing a panel there to discuss the, MOLT, the MLS Quality Control Committee. But it's important to be engaged and, and be around other competent, okay, competent realtors who, you know, sometimes we get in these meetings 
continuing education and, and somebody wants to go on and on about a transaction 15 years ago where some weird out of the blue thing happened no one cares about that story I'm sorry if you are that person please stop we don't care about the transaction 10 years ago where some off-the-cuff thing happened okay that isn't productive for a large group conversation talk about it in a private group talk about it in a one-on-one -on -one. no one wants to hear it ah Jeff you're an asshole I know pardon me NSF language there but um, no one wants to hear it and if you don't realize you're doing it here's my kindness to you you're doing it so please stop continuing education classes are general information classes go talk to the instructor at the break and ask them about your specific question and don't make everybody sit there and listen to it having said that I say it's important to talk to other competent realtors or agents that you know with certainty have more knowledge base than you do and the reason I say that is because iron sharpens iron if you've not heard that before it's a great saying iron sharpens iron you don't sharpen a knife on a piece of plastic you sharpen knife on stone you sharpen knife on iron you sharpen a knife on things that are harder than it or as hard as it is you don't do better when you go go out and and, and try to train or, or learn from softer people or less experienced people so my point is I would hear this when I was at my last office agents are in the bullpen they're talking they obviously don't know what they're talking about agent number two wants agent number one to think they're smart and so they say something when agent number one thinks oh well this person must know more than I do because they said it with some conviction get your information from credible sources and going to things like the risk reduction committee going to your trends committee going to your young professionals network um, not only do you get to network with realtors in your marketplace which I promise you will do you deals and oh, oh they're not gonna buy homes for me yeah I understand that but they are gonna be the people who come sometimes decide who buys the home from their client or who brings an offer to another agent it's important that you have a good reputation one of competency one of um, cooperation one of you know being an ethical honest realtor and as you start to introduce yourself to people at these events withstanding that you are those things honest ethical competent and you start to introduce yourself and you start to mix in these groups and you start to be um, known in in those circles those are typically other agents who are productive as well and it gives you opportunities to get to know them to know if you want to <laughs> if you want to work with them if they want to work with you and I have done deals I have done dozens of deals based on reputation where my client got the property purchased or my seller sold their listing because my reputation helped in that situation so it's important to get out there and meet these people and you get to not only network for 2023 but you also get an opportunity to make sure that you are doing um, your best to stay on top of things to stay apprised of what's going on I'll, I'll, I'll admit I am I am very um, regretful that I didn't involve myself at our board of realtors earlier I don't mean in leadership because honestly I <laughs> I second-guess that every day uh, I don't mean to get involved in leadership but I do mean to get involved in committees um, if you have been in business for at least five years in my opinion although your board's minimum standards may differ you should also seek membership in the code of ethics what they call the grievance committee professional standards I believe that professional standards the quality the, the grievance committee is probably one of the most important linchpin committees in our industry 
And the reason I say that is because without a code of ethics, we are real estate licensees. There's nothing wrong with being a real estate licensee. Um, what I'm saying is you have an opportunity as a realtor to high to to raise your standards to be a better more qualified more capable practitioner as a realtor member you've, you've agreed to abide by the code of ethics grievance is a great committee because they are typically they are supposed to be the best of our community the people who are most and it doesn't mean they're the top producers in the office it doesn't mean that they're the best uh, in all aspects and all, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they're, they're supposed to be those realtors that understand how, do, how, how does our industry stay on the straight and narrow? How do we always look for what's best for our clients? And, and so if you are one of those agents, you know, and you are, I mean, you know what the code of ethics is about. You know the 17 articles. You know the three different groups of, uh, of classification of who the duties are to. You know, when you have that skill, when you have the desire to share that with the group and, and the community in your in your area, I think it's really important to reach out to your board president, your board president-elect, your CEO, um, and just say, hey, I just want you to know I'm really interested in being a part of this group, um, and here's why I'm interested in being a part of it. I think it should be a meritocracy. Um, I think it should be based on an agent's uh, reputation, their adherence to the code of ethics, and, of course, a clean track record with state and local agencies. So, um, you know, being a realtor is really a, a gift. It has afforded me this, the most wonderful life. I, I'm uh, 39 this year. I will be 40 in 2023. Um, and, and I look back at the last, uh, you know, 19 years. I started at 21 years old. I look at the last 19 years in this industry, and I really am grateful, not just for what it's provided me, but what it's taught me, the people it's introduced me to. I have met some amazing people I wouldn't have met otherwise. And so um, I have, you know, started giving back. My last 20 years, um, I really started getting, giving back in the last three or four years to the board. The 20 years prior to that, I was really involved with the Nevada Childhood Cancer Foundation. Uh, I retired from that program and and turned the reins over to uh, a great group of qualified people who are going to keep that uh, organization in tip-top performance moving forward to serve the kids and the families um, that are um, facing critical illnesses here in, in Southern Nevada. But um, no, now that that volunteerism has, has ended, I wanted to turn my focus and attention to the Board of Realtors, and I'm, I'm really enthusiastic and excited to... Um, to provide my two cents, if you will, my take. As you can see, I don't mind talking, but uh, I, I try to talk only when it's beneficial. You know, I don't I'm rambling on. I can do it. I can do it with the best of them. But uh, I think when you're in a committee level, a work group, um, a PAG, a president's um, um, advisory group, a state advisor group, any of those things, uh, I think it's really important to be succinct, concise to provide uh, value where it's relevant and where you're qualified. I think we should be subject matter experts. Um, when we're on these groups, we should be providing subject matter expertise. We shouldn't just be there to fill a seat or to add something to our CV. Um, so if you have a subject matter expertise, if you were a CPA in a former life, or maybe you are now, if you were in the financial industry, if you um, were in securities, anything, uh, and not just those fields, but maybe you're an attorney and you became a realtor. Maybe you're an attorney and you are a realtor. 
when you have a subject matter expertise and you can bring that subject matter expertise to bear in a positive way for our Board of Realtors, for your local Board of Realtors, I really do encourage you, please speak up, please apply. You don't have to be treasurer, you don't have to be a director, you don't have to be any of those things. You don't even have to be the chair of a committee um, or vice chair. You can uh, contribute in your participation in your um, advocacy, in your speaking out. So I really do, if you're listening to this, please take a, t a chance to peruse your board um, and their opportunities. Again, call your CEO. Your CEO is probably very capable of guiding you in the right direction. Um, call, you know, your state, your, your local president. Call your state president. There's opportunities at the local level, at the state level. Um, get involved. Get involved. Last thing I want to leave you with is, uh, is um, the political survival fund. Uh, Realtors have, for decades, for decades, been leaders of homeownership. They have been at the forefront of keeping property rights in front of uh, Congress and, and our representatives, state and local and, and national representatives. They have been so, so critical as one of the largest trade organizations in the, in the country in keeping property rights, property taxes, mortgage interest deductions, independent contractor law, all of those things in place in the forefront of our national, state, and local leadership. And every time you renew, well, not every time, but when you renew your uh, realtor membership, um, you are asked to contribute a, um, a, an amount to the Realtors Political Action Committee. And, um, you know, that Realtor Action Political Action Committee has been around since 1969. And those voluntary contributions that you make are there to help elect candidates that support and understand realtor interests. Um, these aren't dues. These are monies given uh, freely by our realtor members in recognition of the importance of our political process. Uh, we have the ability in, in America to be engaged in a real way in the political process. And yes, money is a part of that engagement. Um, our political action committee and other fundraisers um, your state and local fundraisers may also be involved, are important in protecting uh, and promoting the real estate industry. And by promoting the real estate industry, we really do serve a number of other industries. Um, and, and of course, always our clients. So um, I would encourage you, if you don't understand what your political survival fund contributions go towards, please go to nar.realtor forward slash RPAC. Uh, learn about it. Donate something. Donate something, whether it's $10 or $100 or $1,000. Um, you know, I am a major donor, um, and that means I've donated uh, several thousand dollars. And I, I, I don't say that for recognition. I don't care what people think about my uh, political contributions to our organization. But what I do care about is that my organization has afforded me a very nice life through hard work, it's allowed me access to help my clients over this last 18 or 19 years. So I want to see that continue. And if every member donated um, the minimum that their that their local board recommends, I think it's 50 bucks. But if we all donated, major donors like myself wouldn't need to be major donors. If we all gave a little bit, then we would all be able to benefit from the RPAC uh, uh the RPAC involvement, the Realtor PAC involvement, Political Action Committee. So that's it. That's all I got for you. That's 2023. That's my uh, motivation for you in 2023. 
that's why you know if if you do have some things you'd like to focus on pick one or two things i mentioned today if if any of those things uh seem to ring a bell to you i really encourage you on the last two things get involved at your board get involved in our pack and donate those monies that we need to keep our industry alive and working the way it has for so many decades for the public uh, again i don't discount that realtors uh, can make very good livings, but I do want to encourage you to remind your clients about what benefits we offer to them. So go and get your ABR, learn about the accredited buyer representative, um, donate your time, donate your uh, your your talents, um, donate your money, uh, be part of this, be fully invested as a realtor member. Okay, even if you're if you're a part time agent, if you're a full time agent, if you've been in the business for twenty years or two. There's never too late to get started and, and contribute. So thank you uh, for listening. Uh, I hope you had a wonderful 2022. I hope it was good to you. Um, I know that we've been through some things in the last few years, but I, I do, I really do. I send this out to you in, in, a, in a true, in a, in a sincere way. I hope 2022 was good for you. And I hope that you have the, um, the courage to make 2023 even better. I hope you have the fortitude to do that and stick to something. Just get 1% better every day. You don't have to be incredible every day. You don't have to just knock it out of the park. If you have a bad day, go home. Okay, go home. Mental health, mental wellness is such an important part of life. Um, and real estate has high highs and low lows. Don't be afraid to call it. You know, if you've got a day where you're like, I'm done with the day. I'm going to go home, uh, pour yourself some tea, uh, some coffee, some whatever it is you enjoy sit down, listen to some, some, some music that you enjoy, whether it's death metal or Yanni. Um, Self-care is important, and I hope that you are getting enough of it. Um, communicate with your loved ones about your needs as well as listening to theirs. Um, it, this, I think we've all become much more aware of the need to communicate. Um, we have seen uh, mental, mental health take a, a back seat over the years, and I think it's important that we work on uh, acknowledging mental health is, is really really important. Um, so uh, there are resources out there if you need them. Um, please understand that uh, we're all here in this together. We may not have the same size ship, but we're all in the same ocean. And so I hope that you know that uh, I'm praying that you have smooth seas and smooth sailing and that you, uh, you make it to your destination in one piece, happy and content. So thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you have a great 2023, and I look forward to talking to you real soon. Don't forget again to like and subscribe. And again, this is Jeff Lavelle, broker of the brokerage real estate firm in Henderson, Nevada, and agent to agent remarks. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back soon with another informative episode.